a wonderful thing it is to be out because the lockdown is just starting to ease and I've driven to Birmingham and come off the motorway and down a suburban street and been taken completely by surprise because there was a sign on the right that said RSPB Reserve and walked through an unpromising barrier and into an area of greenery, the Sandwell Valley, with the river running past me on the left, and definite signs of spring. The birds are in good voice, and the buds are coming out, and we're here to meet a really talented young musician. Jerma Adan was born in Haiti and then moved to the United States as a child with her parents. And she came to the UK to study music. And now she's become a rising star on the folk scene with a much acclaimed first album and a second album that she's been working on during lockdown. And I think she's going to share at least one of the songs from that with us on our walk today. So we're really looking forward to meeting Jerma here in the Sandwell Valley. Jerma, good afternoon. How nice to see you. Good afternoon, Matthew. Thank you for coming to uh, show us around the Sandwell Valley. Yes. Well, tell us about this place. Well, I don't know about the history of this place, but this is my second home. I come here almost twice a week, especially during lockdown. It's, it's where I come to do lots of meditation, walking, exercising, and just existing in a calm, peaceful environment, yeah. And there's a river running past us here. Mm. Uh, what's the terrain like as we go forward onto the walk? What are we going to walk through? It's quite hilly here, so prepare yourself. A bit of mud, lots of bird life, some um, parakeets to look forward to as well. Okay, yeah. now you've brought some instruments. You've got the fiddle, and I see in your bag you've got the ukulele as well. <laughs> yes. And I think in the car you've got your guitar, haven't yes, you? Yes, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So we can have all sorts of different that's, instrumentation. Yep, that's have it. you got a song on the fiddle that you'd like to do for us Yeah, here? I'd love to Yeah, I'd love to get us started with a song. Okay, yeah, let's get the fiddle yeah. out. Okay. Is this a very special instrument? It is, actually. It's not your normal fiddle. When I first started singing and playing with the violin, the high pitch range of the normal violin or fiddle was just getting in the way of the singing. So Helicor, uh, a brand, created this like low octave strings for violin and I had it fitted. So now it's like a bass violin. Oh, right. Yeah. So violin normally would have a top E string. Does that have a different... It's, uh, the strings are the same, Yeah. but they're low octave. Right. And do you use the violin in lots of different ways? Yes, I do actually. 
Sometimes I, I, I brush and play with it. I might do a bit of that first before I get into the the song. I'll actually get my brush out for you. Yeah. Uh, what, that's like a, that's like the kind of a paintbrush? Yeah, yeah. I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, I mess about and um, I sing and brush at the same time. Oh, right. Uh, I'm still working on it, but uh, I could do a little, a little Like it's a different texture to the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, a more low level um, texture so I can sing above it. There's a Haitian folk artist called Jean-Steve Bounache, and he has a song called Lignon, and I'm going to just play a short excerpt from that. It's, a, it's a, a song about just gathering, since we're all gathering here, I thought I'd start with that. gave you the idea of brushing a violin. It's not, well, it's not, you know, I've played the fiddle before, but I've never thought of using a paintbrush on it. I wanted to be able to sing and play at the same time without, and, and have like different textures um, and attacks on the notes. And so I just thought, what's lighter approach than the bow? And that's when this idea came And I suppose mind. it's got hair, hasn't it, like the bow? Exactly. But in a different form. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's the beginning of that. See, we'll see what happens. I might try thicker brushes. I'm still exploring it. Yeah. Now, is there anything else you want to do with the fiddle before we leave it behind? Cause oh yeah. Would you play us some? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, fiddle music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. What is this? This is going home. Right. Is it one of your own songs? Yep. So this song, going home, is a song I wrote the words to it before lockdown, and actually had some arrangement for it. Had a go at playing it. It didn't quite settle yet. So it, I didn't bring it out to the world <laughs> until now in lockdown and I've had a chance to really sit with it, work on it. And it's, I say it more just play it um, in a way that if it really sits within me and it's a, a comfort to me, especially during this time that we are in where we are actually home but I'm sure many of us would like to be in other places. Uh, and when you, when you say going home, what does that mean to you? Going home is where I choose home to be. Like right now, home is right here in Sanwell Valley, just feeling um, present. Yeah, that's, that's what home is, being present. Thank you. 
amazing thank you so much i noticed that you hold your bow quite a long way up yeah you know about a third of the way up the bow you're almost holding it why, why do you do that does it give you more control or? um it naturally happened I, I it feels lighter i have more flexibility um especially when i'm doing lots of fiddling about as i'm singing so i, I it's i think it's heavier down here while i'm playing and singing and i want i want to keep the sound quite um, low in volume as well that helps with that yeah. yeah so you're obviously experimenting the whole time mm -hmm. with the instrument and, and and how it might be used do you do you sometimes pluck it as well and oh, yeah. use it like a, a sideways like a guitar and um yeah it's sometimes like this way but i actually try and pluck this way when i sing more like pizzicato <laughs> yeah pizzicato yeah. style yeah you're, you're a fiddle player yourself no well i would in your presence i wouldn't really say so but you know for my own entertainment sometimes i, I play <laughs> but i don't use it in this in this really versatile way and mm. i think maybe i should try some new, yeah, yeah. new techniques i'll send you a brush yeah that would be yeah. great thank you do you want to put the fiddle away <laughs> now and then yeah. we'll get going on our walk 
like me to carry something? Um, all right, go on then. Yeah, so I carry the, the guitar. Go on for the yeah, guitar. I've carried lots of yes. guitars for lots of I've worked up the sweat so. now. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, okay. Appreciate it. Which way are we going to walk? This way. Okay. Yes. So, Gemma, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to learn a little bit about your history because um, you were you were born in Haiti. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and how long did you live there? I lived there until 1994. We moved to America. What age were you then? I was about eight years old. Right. So, uh, what are your memories of Haiti? Do, do you have any memories of it? I do actually. Quite vivid memories of growing up on my father's plantation farm with lots of animals, um, growing different crops. What um, sort of crops did you grow? Harvesting peas, corn, um, like root vegetables, like yams, mayok. What's mayok in English again? I don't know. <laughs> yuca. Yuca. Uh -huh. Yes. And was there any music in those early days? Yes, there was. I grew up in a very musical family. Um, led by my dad, who's also a musician. He played the guitar, and uh, he'd teach us songs, and he was also in a band, um, had his own band. What sort of band was it? It, it was sort of like a Haitian roots folk um, meets potentially pop with some spiritual elements to it as well. And did you, as a little girl, used to go to the gigs? Yes, you used to uh, see rehearsals happening at home all the time. It was a natural part of our lives. And it, actually, my dad tried to teach me to play the guitar. Uh, when How did that go? Didn't go well. <laughs> Is that like teaching your daughter to drive? Like, literally that. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, you get someone else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so did you pick up the guitar quite early on? No. No. <laughs> I, re I resisted and I love music. And um, when we were living in the States, I tried to do clarinet for a bit in like elementary school. It didn't go very well. When we moved to Florida, I had the opportunity to do the violin and that stuck and it was a match made uh, for life. And so, uh, just tell me about the move from Haiti to the United States. Were you frightened or were you just sort of taken along with it and you thought, oh, this is all fine? Yeah, taken along with it, this is fine. And We moved to Minnesota first, then we moved to Kansas City and then we eventually moved to Florida. I lived in Florida for quite a while. And so, did, did you mind the moving around, or was it difficult for you to settle and make friends, or did you just take it in your stride? <laughs> take, it, take it in our stride. Um, we were all a bit sad when we had to move from Kansas City to Florida. Um, but the heat was calling to, to my parents, and they wanted to be closer to, so they can travel to Haiti as well. Um, from Florida. To go back to see family exactly, and friends and yeah. so on. Yeah, that's it. I understand. So you settled in Florida mm -hmm. and, and that was where you, your musical education started? Yes, that's when I uh, had middle school where I picked up the violin. So you were learning classical violin at that time? Yeah, learning to play the classical violin, yeah. And then I went on to high school in Florida where uh, it was like a performing arts art, um, high school, so I, I got to do loads of ensemble performance, 
on the violin. So it was all still classically trained. Um, well, look, look at this. I just wanted to take a moment to yeah. turn to the left here. We'll, we'll go back to your story in yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, let's have a look at there's this. There's a great spot for looking out over the um, water here mm -hmm. and spotting the birds. Mm -hmm. I can hear geese. Can yes. you hear geese? Yeah. And the wood here is carved into the shapes of birds and animals. And we can just look over the fence and see some expanses of water and reeds, reed beds mm. stretching out. What a wonderful sight that mm. is, isn't it? Mm. Do you know about birds? I like looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> we had the same experience with the guitarist John Smith on, <laughs> on the cliffs at Brixham in Devon and this bird went past and I said, what's that? He said, I don't know, but it flies. <laughs> Are you a bird watcher? Not really, no. <laughs> I, love, I love watching them. I love seeing them. And I, I live near a RSPB mm. reserve like this, so ah. I go walking. But... Um, but I'm, I need to get my book out mm. to identify things. Mm. I'd love to go for a walk with an actual bird watcher who knows all the names. Well, we did an amazing uh, podcast with Sam Lee. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yeah, he, we, we went to his Singing with Nightingales mm. event and he brought an ornithologist along and who, at, the, at dusk, took us into the woods and then pointed out the calls of the different birds that we were hearing, which is fantastic. But of course, I can't remember any of them. <laughs> what a beautiful sight though. Uh -huh. I know there are folk on foot listeners who understand this kind of thing and know about birds and they'll write in and tell us what these calls are but I'm going to stick my neck out and say that might be a Canada goose. Did you still stay in touch with your Haitian roots uh, during that time in the States and, and, and indeed to this, to this day? Did your parents keep you in touch with it? Yes, yes. Fortunately, um, as, as soon as we moved to the States, they were very insistent that we didn't, we, we couldn't speak English in the house, um, we were told. So we're coming home from school and, you know, testing our English and we were told, nope, no English in the house. You had to speak Creole? Yeah, yeah. Speak Creole in the house um, so we wouldn't forget our, our language. We were very sheltered. I, I didn't know anything about rock music <laughs> until I'd say about late high school, early undergraduate especially in my undergraduate my roommate said we're going to ed educate you about rock germa how did they start doing that <laughs> just giving me a, a cds and a list of people to go and listen to but on top of that though i was doing my own bit of research since i was in like high school um, we had like local libraries with cds so i actually was really into jazz and lots of world music in high school. So I was listening to stuff that my peers weren't really listening to, and I kept that quiet. <laughs> <laughs> you kept that quiet from your peers or from your parents? All of the above. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think your mum and dad might have objected? Did they, want, they didn't want you going in yeah. that direction? Well, they, they didn't like us listening to um, too much like popular stuff. Um, it's, it was a very sheltered house in that they wanted us to um, be linked to gospel music and Haitian, Haitian gospel music as well. 
Can ready to in? duck? Yeah. yeah, we're going under the fence. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I'll, I'll, hold, I'll pass the... Uh, pass that through. Mm. Pass the guitar through. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Do you know what I wonder if this isn't a place for you to sing as a song? <gasps> Ooh. What do you think? Would you be up for that? Yeah, good, yeah that'd be great. Let's do it. Mm, what would you like to sing for us? Mm. Shall we try? Lark in the morning. That would be great. Yeah? Cucuricu, 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 cucu
It seems quite appropriate, doesn't it, with the birds mm. singing around us to sing mm. that song. <laughs> Your finger's cold. Cold. <laughs> um, so why that song? What, what was it that made you want to tackle that song? Um, I had this... Um, seed funding with EFDSS and I had the English Folk Song and Dance Society yes yes and uh, I had a chance to be in the Vaughan Williams library and I got a chance to sit in front of some fantastic literature um, songs from a long time ago and I was fascinated by how certain songs traveled around and how different regions in England would have the same song, but it might they might sing it differently, or they might title it differently. How a, one song might be played differently, but have similar motion of the notes. So I found Lark in the Morning. I was reading about it, and I wanted to respond to it, um, but I told myself not to listen to anyone's version because I didn't like. I listened to it later, and I didn't realize it was a, a jolly song. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you thought it was a sad song. Uh, yeah, well, I, I was like, let me just read the, uh, read the words to this song and what it's about. And I was just like, <sighs> my response to it was, well, there's not a lot of folk songs with a female narrative where it's from the female perspective. And I felt like the female's story in this is lost. As I was leafing through lots of books of old songs, a lot of them were just like, um, how, you know, I had this made in here and I had this made in there. I had this made in everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of it about, isn't there, in folk song? <laughs> um, and there was, like, I was like, where's this song from the female perspective? The other, I found ones where it was just, like, about a woman who's scorned. You know, she's angry. The maiden that was talked about in these songs didn't have a voice. So I thought, let me... Let me do my uh, version of this song and and see if a melody would come to mind. And that's how this song came about, mm. yeah? To give the voice to the maiden in the song, essentially. So you've taken it in your direction, mm-hmm. in the way that so many people did in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, you're adding to the tradition, really, that's, aren't you? That's it, yeah. A new version. That's it, It's yeah. very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. So we were talking about the fact that you were listening to jazz, mm. to rock music in secret. <laughs> you were a secret rock music yes. listener. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was your act of rebellion. Yes. Yeah, what kind of rock music did you get into or what jazz music did you get into? I got into jazz more. I listened to a lot of Charlie Parker, Robert Glasper, um, yeah, what effect did that have on you, you know, on your Regina own... Carter, the jazz violinist. Yes. Ah, and that presumably was an inspiration. Huge. Especially, you know, growing up at that time, I didn't see any violinists that looked like me that were out there uh, at the time. And when you looked at orchestras, there was not much representation. They were all white. That's it. That's it. So I was like, look what she's doing. Uh. And then I... I I found this group called the Iden Reichelt Project in my public library, and they were like this world music band. I don't know if you've heard of them. It, it was no. it was a random find and really liked their stuff. So I, I was just like, this is cool. This is not music I hear, you know, out there. And I'm like, I, I'd love to see what I could do 
if I put my mind to it kind of thing, yeah. And were you playing in public at this time in, in, in this kind of music or were you just doing the classical, classical. stuff? I did classical until I finished my master's in York. Right, so you came to York University to study yeah. music. So that's a great course at York University, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had Kerry Andrew on here, and she's a graduate of, of York University. Excellent. And so were you exposed there to all sorts of different musical influences? Yes, I was exposed to lots of performers that were coming in as well when, you know, when they had their concert series. So I got to see some folk bands, and they had the, uh, the early music association. Um, so... How was your own musical style shaping up as you, as you graduated, as you left university? What, what was your performance style? Well, during my time at my undergrad and my master's, uh, I was exploring composition. My composition style was very jazz-influenced, actually. More jazz-influenced than anything. My Haitian roots hadn't quite gotten in there yet. Only, like I'd say, it was quite subtle. And I was not singing as well. So singing never actually took place as a main thing I did um, until I, I graduated. Right, so that started to come in later. Yeah, when, when 2011, there was a recession, and I bought this ukulele, and I was just like, where's the jobs? What am I doing? And I just started exploring. I, you know, I felt like there was less pressure to, to be this technically able violinist doing all. You know how like, you um, like most violinists who finish with the classical training, you practice excerpts to get into orchestras. And I was just like, you didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. But it was having to, to be quite rigid in just playing that, playing these excerpts to get into orchestras, and that would just be my life. Um, I, I just thought there would, there's got to be more to it than this. And so the ukulele was a sign of uh, loosening up a bit. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> letting your hair down. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was when I picked up the ukulele, I started just writing stuff, singing it, singing with the ukulele, and I just thought, oh, yeah, singing. Um, <laughs> that suddenly came to you. Yeah, <laughs> I can sing stuff. <laughs> And you can write stuff. And, yeah. and was that when your Haitian influences started to come to the fore again? That's it, yeah. yeah. I was looking at um, lots of Haitian literature, um, Haitian uh, linguists, and developed a, a love of a specific Haitian linguist called um, Emmanuel Vandrin. After that, I just really got in touch with writing lyrics in uh, Haitian Creole as well. And I think the, the overall aim for me at that time and today is that I just want to write music that I, I want to hear on the, on the radio that isn't just what English and, and it fits a specific popular style. Um, I just wanted to hear something that I, would, I might want to hear. Uh -huh. um, so that, I think that was what I was leading with. So, so how did the Haitian influences manifest themselves in the music that you were making? Uh, so it took form in maybe how I did a guitar accompaniment style. There's certain accompaniment styles that are very well known amongst Haitian tubadus, which are usually like a man and a guitar singing ballad. That's what a tubadu is. And that originated from 
Haitian workers in Cuba or anyone who's working um, in the field who might want to play the guitar. And the tubadu would usually be someone who's just singing and accompanying to love songs or songs about what they see. Um, so the accompaniment style is a unique element of the Haitian style that I use. And would that be how your dad played the guitar? Yes, actually, yeah. He definitely influenced me without realizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's come full circle. And the other influences are in the way you write the lyrics, presumably. And yes. The lyrics that you, and the kind of subject matter, perhaps, as Yes, well? yes, the subject matter. Revealing what we see in our songs or commenting on any injustice. That's quite huge in Haitian Lassin, so Haitian root style music. So they have bands like um, Bukma Experience from Haiti, who are known for writing songs about reconnecting with our roots and observing what is around us and, you know, resisting anything that, you know, isn't um, aligned with who we are. You mentioned about songs that deal with injustice and mm -hmm. I think you have been inspired in the last year by an injustice and yes. by so something that, that happened to write one of your new songs. Mm -hmm. Would you tell us about that? Before the George Floyd incident, this... Uh, this song was influenced by many incidents in the states of police brutality that took place. And when the George Floyd incident took place, it just solidified that, it, you know, this is something that needs to stop. And I, I was quite um, emotionally affected by it. And it took me a while to actually get back into playing. Um, really? Yeah. Because I was, I was just in that fed up state with it. Because I've had, I've, I've had family members affected by police brutality or intimidation back when we lived in the states. So for me, it was quite personal as well. Um, so when I was able to get back to playing again, I arranged the words to the song as my sort of response to what happened and my own processing of the trauma that I've been through and my family has been through being exposed to this on a regular basis it's, it was quite it's quite regular in the states so what you'd had you had people who were uh, beaten up by the police or um, just you know unfairly arrested um, and pressure applied on them unfairly, unnecessarily as well. Physical pressure? Physical pressure, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you process that by doing it, putting it in the song? Yes.
Thank you. I must say, it was overwhelming feeling of sadness mm. in listening to that. I mean, some people might have responded with anger mm. to some of the things you've been talking about, but mm. you chose sadness. Mm. Why was that, do you think? Um, I, I'd say there's sadness in there, but there's also like a showing of the wound for all to see, like an open casket kind of thing to it as well, where you need to see it. Did it take a long time for that song to develop? Yes, it did, yeah. Um, and and it's, I think it's still developing. I might perform it in a different way, um, as and when, yeah. Mm -hmm. So have you been doing a lot of writing during the lockdown? Yes, uh, well, bits. Bits of writing, um, um, developing things that I've already had um, as I was meant to be releasing an album in 2020 and the whole recording process got delayed. So now I've had more time to just develop. And has the album changed completely in that time? I'd say yes, definitely. But like the, the overall theme of it hasn't. Which is what? I'm exploring uh, the theme of borderlines and bloodlines after me and my family we, we looked into our ancestry dna oh uh, really yeah and what does what does that show you well i've got lots of um links to nigeria uh, senegal cameroon scandinavia scandinavia yes i think there was ireland in there scottish even and how did you react to finding that out? What, what did that? What effect did that have on you? Well, it was it was inspiring. It just got me really interested in looking into our origins a bit more, and especially our African origins. It got me writing differently, as well, and looking at African texts, 
African instruments. I think you collaborated with a chora player, didn't yes, you? Yes, yes, um, that, and that is... Which is the uh, West African harp. We, yeah. Yeah, Kadjari Kuyate. We worked on two songs together that will be in the album. And that was to get in touch with my Senegalese side as well. Uh, but I would say the overall Haitian roots are still in there. Um, but we're looking at it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems like you're... Uh... A, a, a melting pot, if you like, of, of all these very different influences That's coming it. together yeah. and then creating from them something unique. That's it, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's still growing. It's, it's just based on where I am. So if you plant me somewhere else, it might just be different as well. Yeah. Hmm. There's a song I called Wildflower that I wrote um, a long time ago when I first started gigging. And the words to the song was written by the Haitian poet, linguist, Emmanuel Gondrin. And it's a song about nature and how he uses like love, double entendres to describe love. And when I came here, it just made me want to just produce the song and, and put it out there. Oh, wow. 
garden without jasmine, honeybees without hives, flying into the spring That, that is so appropriate mm. to be sung right here in the spring because everything is bursting out around us. It's quite cold today, but mm. everything is coming out around us. The birds are really getting going, aren't they? And the blossoms coming out on the, on the boughs. So thank you. <laughs> thank you very much mm -hmm. indeed for sharing your music with us and for showing us the Sandwell Valley. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Germa Dan in the Sandwell Valley. And I have to tell you that we have filmed all the songs that Germa performed during our walk. And if you want to see them, they're going to be part of our Folk on Foot on Film archive, which is only available to our subscribers, our Folk on Foot heroes, who give us £10 a month to keep the podcast going. So if you want to sign up and see that film archive with more than 100 songs from all the walks that we've been involved in, well, all you have to do is go to folkonfoot.com forward slash watch and you can sign up there. It's absolutely brilliant. And it also, by the way, has all the sets from the Folk on Foot festivals and you can search it by artist to find your favourites. So you'll see Germa's films and the films of lots of people we've walked with. folkonfoot.com forward slash watch. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. There are now more than 40 episodes of Folk on Foot for you to enjoy. Please have a listen. <laughs>